knowing that today I deserve to enjoy the celebration my family has planned for me. But somehow on all these occasions, when I see my other child and her children and her children's children, the absence of my son only feeds the pain in my heart, reminding me he has always been missing. Of course they believe and always have that my son died 78 years ago. Margie, say you even have his death certificate. Leave him to his rest, my daughter Muna would say with a sigh. Enjoy the family you have living. After all these years, I understand Muna becomes frustrated with me, and she is of course right too. She wants to be enough, just her alone. But a lost child is something that can never be replaced in a mother's heart. And for today, my daughter will have her way. I will sit in my chair and enjoy watching the dynasty I have spawned. I won't bore them with my stories of India's history. When they arrive in their fast western jeeps, with their children playing on their battery-operated gadgets, I will not remind them how Indira and I climbed the steep hills around Darjeeling on horseback, that electricity and running water in any home were once rare, or my voracious reading of any tattered book I could get my hands on. The young are irritated by stories of the past. They wish to live only in the present, just as I did when I was their age. I can imagine that most of my family are not looking forward to flying halfway across India to visit their great-grandmother on her hundredth birthday. But perhaps I'm being hard on them. I've thought a great deal in the past few years about why the young seem to be uncomfortable when they're with the old. They could learn so many things they need to know from us and I've decided that their discomfort stems from the fact that, in our fragile physical presence, they become aware of what the future holds for them. They can only see, in their full glow of strength and beauty, how eventually they will be diminished one day too. They don't know what they will gain. How can they begin to see inside us, understand how their souls will grow, their impetuousness be tamed and their selfish thoughts be dimmed by the experiences of so many years. But I accept that this is nature, in all its glorious complexity. I have ceased to question it. When Keva knocks at the door for a second time, I admit her. As she talks at me in fast Hindi, I sip my tea and run over the names of my four grandchildren and eleven great-grandchildren. At a hundred years old, one wants to at least prove that one's mind is still in full working order. The four grandchildren my daughter gave me have each gone on to become successful and loving parents themselves. They flourished in the new world that independence from the British brought to India, and their children have taken the mantle even further. At least six of them, from what I recall, have started their own businesses or are in a professional trade. Selfishly, I wish that one of my extended offspring had taken an interest in medicine, had followed after me, but I realize that I can't have everything. As Keva helps me into the bathroom to wash, I consider that my family have had a mixture of luck, brains, and family connections on their side, and that my beloved India has probably another century to go before the millions who still starve on her streets gain some modicum of their basic human needs. I have done my best to help over the years, but I realize my efforts are a mere ripple in the ocean against a roaring tide of poverty and deprivation. 
sitting patiently while Keva dresses me in my new sari, a birthday present from Muna, my daughter. I decide I won't think these maudlin thoughts today. I've attempted where I can to improve those lives that have brushed against mine, and I must be content with that. You look beautiful, Madam Javan. As I look at my reflection in the mirror, I know that she is lying, but I love her for it. My fingers reach for the pearls that have sat around my neck for nearly eighty years. In my will, I have left them to Muna. Your daughter arrives at eleven o'clock, and the rest of the family will be here an hour later. Where shall I put you until they come? I smile at her, feeling much like a mahogany chair. You may put me in the window. I want to look at my mountains, I say. She helps me up, steers me gently to the armchair and sits me down. Can I bring you anything else, madam? No. You go now to the kitchen and make sure that cook over.